Okay, so we are in our second of our, we're doing a three-part series on marriage. Julie took the first one last week, and this week I will be teaching you. And can I just say that I am very um, humbled that the Lord would want me to teach on marriage, because I feel like I've only been married for a hot minute, but... um, Well, I am celebrating my 11th anniversary, 11 years married on April 28th. That's exciting. That's this Saturday, like next Saturday, or it's coming up, so I'm excited. But, you know, when I was first asked to teach on marriage, I was mortified, and you can kind of tell I still am, because I'm like, I don't, to me, I'm like, I'm a child. I'm not a child, but I just feel inexperienced. But I have been married for a while, and the Lord has been the center of it the whole time. So I feel like, you know, if he has something that I can share with you guys that can teach you or bless you or encourage you or help you along the way, then I will be willing to do it. Um, With that being said, uh, my title is Rooted in Contentment. That is the, the, the title. And we're going to talk about dwelling in contentment and how to encourage your husband to be content. Um, So that's what we're talking about. If you would like to join me as we just pray before we get into it, that would be wonderful. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day, even though there's snow. I pray that you would help it to warm up, Lord, and protect all those pretty little plants that have decided that spring was here. Um... I just pray over this morning, I pray over the words that are going to be said, I pray that you would just um, put a filter over my mouth, let your Holy Spirit have its way, and Lord, I just pray that um, all these women here would have soft hearts to receive from you, and um, I ask that you would have your will done today and encourage us, leave leave us, um, help us leave here changed and closer to you, and trusting in you more, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so like I said, it's my anniversary coming up, 11 years. So um, a lot of you know me, but not everybody knows about me, or like my family, or my history. So I'll tell you, I have a husband. His name is Chris Bentz. Um, We have been married for 11 years, almost, We met at Calvary Chapel Christian Camp um, in 2001, and we started dating in 2004. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, We dated for about two years. We got engaged in 2006, and then we got married in 2007. Um, And then we welcomed our first son, Broden, five years after we got married, and then two years after that, we had our second son, Riker. Um, all the while, my husband has had the same job. He's been at the, they've changed their name to Green Valley Lake Christian Camp. And we've been there for 17 years. And sometimes I think it's crazy that I could have been somewhere for 17 years. But I have. Um, I've had a few different jobs. I bounced around after, before I had kids, I went and got a job at a different camp. And then after... You know, first I got a job as a cook and a baker at a restaurant. That was really fun. And then I worked at another camp and then had kids, and that became my job. But the whole time, my husband has been consistent and constant at this job. 
Um, I will say that it has, it's been filled with blessings. There's, it's blessings upon blessings. There's so many great things that I can say about where we are in our, in our life, where we serve in ministry. Um, I mean, it's a really great thing that you can have a job that can also be ministry for working to bless, bless, um, the Lord's kingdom and provide for your family. That's really, that's a really good, that's a really sweet perk, a really sweet job. And we get to work with other believers, but I will say it hasn't been without its struggles. We've had great mountaintop experiences and we've had great valleys. Um, a while back, my husband started to want to make a job change. I can't remember when he started to feel that way, but that has been on his heart. Um, and I'll say my husband has been like, he's, he's the most constant person you could meet. Like he's not a wishy-washy flighty kind of man. He's like, you know, if he's got, if he's got something that he's passionate about and he wants to do it, he's going to do it all the way. But it's been on his heart to make a job change. And he's, he's, you know, he's constantly like, if you could say his favorite app on his phone, it would be Indeed which is a job searching, it's like a job search engine. But that's what he's, he's always looking for jobs and he applies and he sends out applications. He has resumes and it goes on and on. And this has been going on for years, but nothing, nothing's happened. And at first I would think, oh, that's to be expected. You're not going to get, you know, a job right away. If you're hunting for a job, it's not going to, it's not going to happen right away. But after a while, I mean, it's been a while and you, you start to think, okay, Lord, what are you doing here? Is this not what you want for us? And what we, what, what the Lord has shown me <laughs> is that it's snowing outside. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so cold. I'm really cold. I might get my jacket. But, um, sorry, I'm like squirrel. Um, <laughs> what the Lord has shown me is that He directs our steps. This might help. Okay. So the Lord will direct our steps. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in a similar situation or just have had that feeling of like you want something else. Or, or, or your husband wants something else and you want to support him in that because you know he's your other half and you want to be there for him. But if you're not given what you want, will you remain faithful to the Lord, to your husband, to your marriage? Will you remain thankful? Will you remain content? Thankfulness is the key. And I have to say that my mom has played a big key in teaching me about thankfulness. And like when I was a teenager, she would talk about, she just has to be thankful in everything. Even when things are like terrible, she'll be like, I'm just thanking the Lord for it. In fact, she told me that this morning. Her house flooded and yesterday night, her like one of the pipes cracked because it was freezing and, and it flooded part of her house. But you know what she told me? I'm just, you know, I'm thanking the Lord for it. And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> but she's... She know, she has learned that lesson through the years is to be thankful in all things, even things that are hard because they're growing you, they're teaching you something. There's something that can be learned. There's not, 
There's, it's not for nothing that the Lord is bringing you through trials or through valleys or, or keeping you at a job that you don't want anymore. <clears throat> and I know that there's days when it's harder to be thankful or when you, when I've, I've wished, I've been like, Lord, don't you think 17 years is enough? Like, don't you think that we've been faithful? Like, what, what else is there to, to keep us here? What, why do you still have us here? But in the midst of all that, I would like to question you guys. How do you respond in that kind of thing? So, like I just said, we need to be thankful and have a grateful heart because it hasn't all been bad. You know, it's been, there's been many blessings. And also, I believe that what the Lord has shown me is to be encouraging to my husband. <laughs> I'm sorry, that snow is bugging me. Okay, so I was looking up, um, I was like, while I was studying, I was looking up different ways to be encouraging to my, to your spouse. There's lots of teachings on, you know, encouraging your spouse. And one of these quotes that really stood out to me, and it was, um, a quote from a prayer written by Jennifer Smith, who writes The Unveiled Wife. She writes like prayers for wives to pray for their husbands or for themselves. But one of these quotes just really stood out. It says, you give me reasons every day to be content and thankful. I need to appreciate more to combat feelings of discontentment. And just let that set for a second. The more you appreciate, the less you're discontent. And I would encourage you, look for things right in front of you. Things that are worth thanking the Lord for. Even if you're not at your preferred destination, or if you don't have the house that you would like, or if your walls are, are, um, I'm thinking of, um, wood paneling instead of like nice pretty eggshell white. If you don't have what is ideal to you, but you are taken care of, that's something to be thankful for. And so my whole, my whole thing when I was preparing my message was how can I be an encouragement to my husband? How can I, how can I, um, help him to feel content, you know? And I was thinking about, Julie was teaching last week and she said part of the things that you can do with your husband to be more of a unit or to be more united and be one would be to talk about the good old days, remember the good old days. Well, that's something you can do to help be thankful, is remember when you first got together, remember, you know, how it all started, and you can kind of rekindle the, the memories of why you even are together, you know? In First Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those who belong in Christ Jesus. And also Ephesians 5.20 it says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we get it. We're, we're supposed to be thankful. But what if I still want to change things? Because that's kind of where we run into it. It's like, I'm thankful, but I'm still not content. Or I still don't want to be here. So, I remember... On our honeymoon, we went to Hawaii. We went to Kauai. It was so pretty. Um, and both of us loved it so much. And we um, we came up with this brilliant plan. We were going to both get jobs at Costco because they have a Costco in Kauai. We were going to come home, get jobs at Costco, and transfer back to Hawaii. 
That's the plan. But so I, I wanted to ask, has anybody ever traveled somewhere and thought, oh, this is amazing. I could totally live here. I could, I could buy a house here. I could be here. I, I would rather be here. And you know what I'd say to that? It's not wrong to desire change or to make plans, but we need to commit our plans to the Lord. We need to seek his will in it. Because he may, he may be stirring that in your heart. He may be driving you towards that someday, but that might not be now. And it's not healthy to be desiring what you don't have. You know what I mean? Like, there's that whole quote that's, um, bloom where you're planted. Sometimes I struggle with that. Like, I'm not a flower, (sighs) but I will try. But it's true, you know, while we are here, he has a purpose for it. He wants us to be seeking what, what is the point? Why are you here? What can I do to glorify you? And just like in that song, the Though You Slay Me song, it was all I need. Like at the end, it was all we need is the Lord. Even though he'll slay us, he'll ruin us, he'll take away everything, but it's for a purpose and we never lose him. Um. So when I think about this whole traveling and going places and wanting to be going there, making that my home, um, I was thinking about, um, there's a song, it's an old hymn, it's Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, it's Come Thou Fount, but it, the lyrics say, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, bind my wandering heart to thee, prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for the co- thy courts above. And that to me it just speaks of our heart. Our heart is wandering. Our heart wanders. It seeks to find its home. But in the Bible we're told in John 18:36 that we're not of this world. In Hebrews 13:14 it says, "For this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come." And it says in 2 Corinthians 4:16 through 18 it says, "That is why we never give up." Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And so I think about, you know... For me, where we are, we're serving in ministry, yet we desire for a a job change or to move away from where we are. But what can I do now that can bring glory to the Lord where I'm at? Why does he have me here? And my husband, the same thing is, I know he gets discouraged. Because wouldn't you get discouraged if you were applying all the time and no bites? Wouldn't that just bum you out? It would me. But the Lord has shown me, I need to be building him up. That's my job. I'm his helper. I'm the one that is his safe landing place. I'm the one he can talk to. I'm the one he can tell me. You know, when he's discouraged or when he's not happy or when he has a desire for something else. And But what? who am I turning him to? Am I, am I watering the seed of contentment or am I watering seeds of discontentment? Because it's easy for me to be selfish, but that's not the time to be selfish. When your husband is, 
you know, pouring out his heart to you about struggles he's facing. It's it's really hard not to react with a bummed out mood or like you're raining on my parade or or stuff like that. But we need to be helping. <clears throat> Four sixteen through eighteen. <clears throat> You're welcome. Um, so when we're when when we're in struggles with our spouse and they're unhappy or we're unhappy, it can go either way. Like one of us is unhappy or both of us are unhappy with just where we are currently. We need to be praying without ceasing. I mean, we're supposed to pray about everything. And he cares about everything. And he cares about what, what we're, what's on our heart and why, why do we feel these ways? And we need to put, put ourselves aside and be a support for our husband. Be a source of joy. Take time to fill up your love tank by spending time with the Lord so you can have some good fruit to offer to your husband. Or those around, if you're not married, people around you, if they, if you're not spending time with the Lord and getting yourself right and, and spending that time with Him, it's gonna be really hard to give to your husband if you're empty. It says in Proverbs 4.23, to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And if you're not keeping your heart in track with the Lord, you're going to run into some struggles because it's going to be real hard to hear hear any negatives if you haven't seek, sought the Lord that day. I know that if I'm out of check, if I haven't invested in time with the Lord, my attitude can get really unsupportive or I can have a natural tendency to be self-centered. But that's not the love that we're called to portray. And so right now I want to talk about... Um, the wife and being that support and what the Bible says about how to be or what, what, what is expected of us. Um, so let's just paint a picture for you. You, you're at home, you've been, you know, you took the kids to school or you homeschooled them and you've been having a rough day and you also had to do the laundry because no one had socks and you also needed to, to make dinner but you realized you didn't thaw anything so you're trying to get creative with the vegetables you have in your fridge and you're just like stressed out and you're you're like watching the clock once the husband gets home you're gonna be like it's okay we're gonna have help it's gonna be fine but when they get home they're not feeling it they're bummed out too they've had a bad day and they want to not dump on you, but you're you're there, and and they need to talk, and and you also need to talk. And I know I'm um, I can be selfish. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I'm I'm just gonna be real. Like people are selfish naturally, and if someone's going to come at you with a bunch of negative, it can be hard to. Be a soft place. Be a soft landing sometimes. Because we all have stuff. Everybody has stuff. Like, you know, you get to 4 o'clock in the day and you've had a whole day. And, and they've had a whole day. And yours could have been great or bad. But what kind of what kind of wife will you be when they come home and it's been rough for them too? And um, I have this verse, Ephesians 4.29. Um, 
It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So we're, we're to be an encouragement and also not to be... So when we are the support that we're called to be, it can be a real blessing to our husbands. It says in Proverbs 18.22 that a man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. And a friend of mine was talking to me and she was like, the fact that they are married means that they found favor in the Lord. Like he gave them a wife. That's favor from the Lord. So that's one good thing you could talk about. You could say, hey, you know, the Lord loves you. He's He's found favor on you. He, he gave you me. <laughs> it says in Proverbs nineteen fourteen that a sensible wife is from the Lord. So we also need to be wise and sensible, you know. Like Abigail was with David. She was married to Nabal. Nabal before, but he, Nabal, he was foolish and he, he was, he had made some bad decisions, but she went out to meet David and she told him, that's no man. She told him, she brought gifts and she, you know, she was encouraging and she was wise with him and, and that was a blessing to him. It kept David from committing murder, um, but she was sensible and she was wise. It says in Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. So here's the difference. If the Bible talks about a good wife and what a blessing that can be and how valuable we are, we're a valuable resource to our husbands. It also talks about what it would be like if we weren't. It says in Proverbs 21.9, it says, Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Now, if my husband preferred to go sit on the roof than be in my house, then I know I'm doing something wrong. And we don't want to be like that. We want them to value us like rubies, like beautiful gems. We want to be precious to them, not not a hindrance to them. So I believe that the root of discontentment comes from envy and jealousy. I think that we would likely be very content with everything we had. I mean, we are blessed people in America. Um, I think we'd be content if we weren't so busy looking left and right, seeing what everybody else had and wanting some of it. So we, I'm sure we all know that there's a commandment that says, thou shall not covet. And I think there's a reason why God put that in there. It's like, it seems a lot less intense than murder. But it causes a lot of problems. If you are looking around wanting what your friends have, or it just sows some discontentment. And I, excuse me, I really love the quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. And that is so true. So true. And you know, it's just, it's super unhealthy. I was reading, I was reading some blog and it said, while you may be envying me, I'm over here envying you. It's a vicious cycle. It ha- it produces nothing but discontent. And it says in the Bible, it says Ecclesiastes 1.8, um, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. 
And in Proverbs 15:16 it says, "Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have a great treasure in inner turmoil." And just as Paul wrote to the Philippians, "Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little." For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And if you think about that, I mean, he had everything and he had nothing. And yet he was content because he never lost the Lord. And while I was studying, um, we've been reading through the chronological Bible. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are doing that. It's pretty fun. I like it. I think it's cool. Um, but a while back, we were reading through First Samuel 2, and this was after we had heard about Hannah. and Or no, this is when we heard about No, that was after. Okay, whatever. We read about Hannah, and she was married to Elkanah, and there was another wife named Penina. Penin, Penina? Penina, we'll call her that. Penina had children, and Hannah didn't. Not only did Hannah have to struggle with her own jealousy, Panina would openly provoke her to the point where she would weep and not eat. And in 1 Samuel 1, she went up to the tabernacle and was praying. And it says in verse 10 that she had bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she was praying for a son. And during her prayers, she prayed, she promised to give him back to the Lord. And you know, the Lord answered her prayers. She bore her son Samuel, and after he was weaned, she brought him up to the house of the Lord, and he became a great prophet. But in chapter 2 is where it really spoke to me. Is we hear Hannah's new prayer. It changed from being bitter and full of anguish to being filled with trust and joy because the Lord came through for her. So I'm gonna, if you want to turn there, it's in 1 Samuel 2. And I'm going to read through that to verse 10. It says, Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows what you've done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among the princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Such a beautiful prayer of just how she trusted in his will and he he gave her so much more. But part of what 
she said in there stood out to me is that the Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and he lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and so on. Is that God's in control of it all and there's a purpose for it. And so I think about like going back to the beginning where I was talking about my husband and I and how yet we have not seen any change and nothing has happened yet. Perhaps he has still has a purpose for us where we are, you know, and he wants us. What are we going to do while we're here? What are we going to are we going to choose to glorify and honor him and trust him, trust him in his purposes? God answered Hannah's prayer and he might answer yours and he might have already answered. He may have said no. What are you going to do now? Are you going to be rooted in contentment? Are you going to seek out God's truth and glorify him while you're where he has you? We need to be trusting in him, trusting that he's in control. Do you trust him completely? In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we'll end with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for your message in, in God's word. We thank you for all the, the truth and the encouragement that you have in it for us. I pray that we would be seekers of your word and seekers of your truth. I pray that no matter what season we're in and where you have us, that we would be content and that we would we would sow seeds of contentment with our spouses, with our friends and our family, that we would be bringing honor to you and that we would be drawing our husbands to you with our, with the fragrance of Christ, with the, with our actions and our words, that we would seek diligently to tune our hearts to, to your word. Lord, I thank you for where you have each and every one of us ladies. And I just pray that you'd have your will in it and that we would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.